The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Sharon is a very funny woman, but she has less faith in American individualism than Hang on. I do. I have now, wait a second. By the way, when did I, I ever didn't express say any lack of and faith? never said that Barack Obama was a socialist. Seriously. What I said and what I have Louis, always you said are is that his me policies are Monday morning that no, shows you hundreds of times calling the president, the president a socialist. Do you even I'll know read your the difference? On the, air. What, the policies are. Look up the definition, my friend. They're socialist. By your definition, so are Ronald Reagan. American individualism can't Sharon. build roads. An individual... Go on, just start. Get it all out. Get it all out, Thank you, since please. the question was addressed to me. An individual can't build a school or assemble an army no or navy. No one's talking about disbanding or... the army. So on we can agree that the show, government you... is good for that. Yes. Yes. Fine. On your show. Morning, London. It is Thursday, March 14, 2013. I'm Bob Metz. And I am Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. And we'll be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Wow, what a show we have today. I don't know if our tone, our whole tone of our shows has a little bit of anger and, and frustration in it today or not, Robert, but that's how I'm feeling about all oh, our topics. Same here, Bob, same here. Uh, you know, talking about freedom, free speech, their decline. Going to talk about what has been termed Asgate <laughs> with the Rob Ford issue in Toronto. And what's going on in London is even more disgusting because we're not hearing the news here for some reason. I'm wondering why. And I want to start off the show with what I call dark matters, and this has to be has to, has to deal with uh, London Hydro. Why do they want to keep us in the dark? Did you see that last mailer they sent out? Well, you just showed it to me. Yeah, it's scary, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? No, I didn't. It's scary, isn't it? Anyways, 519-661-3600 if you want to join in on the conversation this morning. And as always, you can email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Well, you know why I didn't really notice any handouts that you get from London Hydro or the city or any other utility? Why is that? Uh, just look at it. Uh, you have it there in front of you. Mm-hmm. It looks like an advertisement. Yep. It's all, uh, it's on a, uh, uh, what, uh, an 8 by, paper. 8 by 11, yeah. 130 glossy. by 11, glossy, all colorful, you know. If they sent me a letter addressed to me personally in a letter proper business format, I'd open it, I'd read it. That, I put it right in the garbage. Well, I wouldn't have even seen it because I, I don't pay any hydro bill or electricity in my apartment mm-hmm. where it's paid for. And um, I do at Freedom Party's office where where we pay the electricity and the electric bill is about you know under a dollar we use each period. But we have to pay $45, $50 mm-hmm. because of the fixed charges. Well, I went over to my mom's early this week and I saw this kind of look of fear and disgust on her face. And... And uh, it was palpable, and I'm going, well, she was looking at this piece of paper, and I'm going, well, what is it? And she says, it's this, and it was a London Hydro mailer. And this came out in, uh, you know, March 8th, and it says, don't be left in the dark if the power goes out. Quote, we're developing a new outage management system that will allow us to provide you with important information in the event of a power outage, such as when you can expect it back on. <laughs> what? <laughs> And then they have this photo of lightning in the sky accompanying the headline, which suggests, of course, that London Hydro is talking about the occasional power outages we experience because of direct lightning strikes. Well, that's not true. 
In the past, the vast majority of these have been split-second interruptions, you know, while a, a few, I recall, may have lasted several minutes to even a few hours in the most rare of instances as far as lightning storms go. Up till now, we've gotten along fine without an outage management system because we already have an outage management system. It's a network of radio stations, telecommunications, and other means of communication that do not require direct grid power to operate. We also have cars. <laughs> they move without the electricity working. And they say, quote, For now, we need your help. All we need from you are the phone numbers you most frequently use, such as your home cell phone number and your email address. So I guess they're expecting that everybody's going to have a power-free device, something that's not plugged in, <laughs> to yeah. use some of this stuff, How right? check that, yeah. Yeah. Now, everybody has a smartphone. Now, why do they need our phone number? Why don't we, why don't you just give us yours? And we'll call you to find out what's going <laughs> on, right? No, there's something else going on here entirely. Now, it appears that London Hydro seems to be expecting a nuclear holocaust of some sort, because nothing short of that can possibly justify this misdirection of effort and propaganda and this piece of crap here that they sent out... In the, in the mail. The insults and injuries purposely foisted upon this province's and this city's electricity consumers are just relentless, irresponsible, and simply unconscionable to anybody who can even think slightly straight. In the same London Hydro Mailer was a, yet another propaganda piece. This two-sider, which on one side is foisting the duties of recycling onto the consumers, accompanied by threats of higher taxpayer costs and refusal of service if for failure to comply. Please sort it right, screams a heading. Paper products go in one blue box, containers go in the other blue box, blah, blah, blah. It's just terrible. And then on the other side is yet another insulting and demeaning appeal as, as reason to justify a change in the structure of water rates. There we see a sad expression on a very young child. Here, here it is, Robert. You see that there, that poor little kid there? Oh, <laughs> he looks like one of the Our Gang guys. Say, our gang? <laughs> yeah, you know Alfalfa and all those guys. Oh, yeah. Anyways, here we see the small child, right? And what's he say in there? What does it say there? What Julian was born yeah. in London May 2011. When he and all his friends are grown up with children of their own, they will need to know what, that the water they drink is safe, clean, and plentiful, just as his parents know now. Yep. And it says investment in our water system is critical. And that's it. Investment is critical. Uh -huh. Julian needs water when he's grown up. Now, how I translate that is, our water infrastructure has deteriorated to a critical state and soon may be dysfunctional. Julian has to pay for it or suffer the consequences. That's what they're telling us, mm -hmm. right? So, I want to know, is London Hydro directing its message to paying customers, to citizens or taxpayers, or to imbecilic children? Who are these messages directed at? Why do we always have to be threatened with fines, punishments, told what to do, how to sort stuff? We didn't have to do that in the, quote, good old days when we had government services. Everybody's wondering what's happening to our society today, I'll tell you. Who's calling the shots in this citizen-government relationship? Who, who's subservient to who? You know, citizens who allow themselves to be bullied like this perhaps get and earn what they deserve. I mean, maybe that's the bottom line. Our economic environment was long ago compromised to the point where it could no longer be viable for simple recycling industries to be self-sustainable. The whole blue box idea was a David Peterson lunatic fringe state monopoly model, another liberal business government partnership scam, which replaced the bottle deposit system and other already well-functioning cycling programs that actually worked before they brought it in. We detailed the entire history of this on a previous uh, broadcast of Just Right. You know, recycling should be done by the recyclers who are paid to do it. 
But the problem is, in this country, in this province, we have these high minimum wages, inappropriate social benefits, so it's unthinkable to say hire kids to do the recycling for a big company so they can break into the job market, get a job, not be on welfare, you know, give them some sort of affordable hourly rate. But it's perfectly okay to force customers to do it for nothing. Hmm. That seems okay. Oh, well, we'll do that. Slavery is okay. Slavery is always okay. But paying somebody a low wage, that's the sin of sins because that competes with the high-paid people. That's what that's about. Okay? If it weren't for unions, we could have garbage pickup on regular pickup days where they would just take about any garbage you might put out. I am convinced, Bob, that minimum wages are the single biggest contributor to poverty and unemployment in this country. Well, they are. There's no question. No question. I'm not even going to go to the minimum wage issue. Uh, you know, we already live in a society where health care is rationed and will become even more so in the future. Every government-run public utility, service, and program is effectively bankrupt and unsustainable. So, you know, don't be left in the dark when the power goes out, you know, boasts London's Hydro's pamphlet, but keeping us in the dark. And how and why we ever got into this mess or how to get out of it, that's what the outage management system is really all about, to keep us in the dark. They're going to start brownouts. That's what I see, what they're going to manage, because that was already discussed in all their plans. How else can you keep a system like this going if you're putting all this um, secondary kind of power thing up? You know, solar and wind don't work without sun and wind, (laughs) right? So maybe that's part of the management. You know, you call up and they'll tell you when it's going to be a windy day, (laughs) and you'll have power. I don't know. It's so insane. Um, you know, just as politicians promise to manage the waiting lists of emergency services and for long-term sick care, we're about to witness the same process with regard to electricity rationing. And I know people who aren't used to it can't relate to it, but it's true. It happens. Already, um, you know, they're putting this system in the process. Why do they need to contact us? I just don't get it. Why don't we just contact them? What's being managed? It's the outage itself. Right? That's what the whole thing is about. And it's not about managing uh, a blackout and telling you what's going on. Well, it's the whole thing's being done on purpose. It's not by accident. They're trying to alleviate the fears that people might have. In other words, keep calm. We're going to handle everything. We're the experts. We'll just let you know that we're... Give us, give us your phone number. We'll let you know when the power will be back on. Well, you know something? When the power goes out, there's usually a good reason for it. Either it's crappy infrastructure or there's a lightning strike or somebody hit a transformer. You know, we expect it to go back on within, you know, maybe a couple of hours at the maximum. So we don't panic. We don't really want a phone call from London Hydro. We don't want an email from London Hydro telling us that uh, you're doing your best. We expect well, you to do your best. Well, do you think part of this outage is going to be bill collecting, people who can't afford their bills? And then they have these new smart meters and they can target your house, turn off your power and manage your outage. Isn't that part of what it might be? And then they'll have to phone you. Get, you know, hit you up for the money you can't afford because the rates are going to go up like 10, 20, 30 times. I wonder how much this uh, mass emailing and phone calling will cost. Oh, it's going to be just like another, you know, e-scandal, one of those things. Um, you know, as in all mad worlds, an outage is a nil, a nothing, a zero, as in no electricity. There's nothing to manage there. What they're really be- managing is the onage, not the outage. <laughs> they're managing who gets the power and who gets it delivered and when and why and how, how they prioritize. That's, what it's, that's what's happening. And it's already been happening in, 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 in the uh, rural communities. You know, I, I'm surprised. Every time we talk about electricity, you, you um, go on about how often the power goes out on your end of town. It's, it's amazing. It I used rarely to- goes out in my end. My end's a newer subdivision mm-hmm. and all of the power lines are underground 
There's no telephone or there's no uh, power lines above ground. Well, I've lived in the same end of town for decades. But they're all, yes, the electricity, though, is above ground, I think, in your area of town. They're all I don't think poles. that's particularly an issue. No. Um, it's an older infrastructure, that's what uh, I'm saying. That could possibly be part of the problem, but I can tell you, living in that area, I couldn't recall a single click of a blackout for sometimes 10, 15 years. Really? And you, I can tell because of my, my, my old-fashioned VCRs and stuff like that that would blink the second or, or, the, or the, uh, you know, the microwave or something like that, which I don't even bother resetting anymore where I live. And we just get constant little blackouts. We had another one two days ago. When you had place. to buy yourself a power, um, backup power supply. At one point, because yeah. it got, got so ridiculous. And, and here we are, we're paying the Americans to take our excess nuclear and conventional electric power sources while we're paying for this expensive stuff that doesn't work 24-7. And then we're, we're shackling Ontario power consumers with costs and prices that still don't come anywhere close to what is necessary to support all this green power. And meanwhile, right now they're talking about allowing electric cars to charge their batteries for free downtown on our bill. Huh? So that comes out of our home bills too, Sure. right? On the same power grid whose power is being rationed to, to paying customers. I don't get that. This is complete socialist fascism economic theory. Capitalism isn't even in the room. Ontario's landscape is polluted with these unsightly and unbelievably inefficient and costly windmills, which are only part of the story behind the story. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking here, yeah, they're going to manage future outages by telling us the weather. And, you know, they're still going, on, going ahead with the incandescent light bulb ban. That's another thing. That is absolutely asinine. I, I just can't believe it. Well, it just gets, gets me so peed off. I tell you, the only outage management I ever want to see or hear about is the kind where taxpayers and consumers can out the management of our electricity supplies. That's the only real kind of outage management I want to hear about. And if you can't see the writing on the wall, folks, at least pay attention to the writing on your London Hydro pamphlet because it's sitting there right staring you in the face. I'd be phoning these guys up and asking them, what the hell are you talking about managing outages? Can't you manage the power? Because <laughs> that's the bottom line. That's all I got to say on that, Robert. Coming up next, something that gets me going just as bad. This is this whole thing about Rob Ford and what's been happening to him. And moreover, the gossip mill surrounding the poor man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big Ford supporter, but I'm an honesty supporter, and I'm a facts supporter, and I like to know what's really going on out there. And the media in this town, sorry, it sucks when it comes right down to any of that. We're not hearing anything from them. So I guess it's up to us, and apparently Sun TV. If there's ever a reason to explain why we need Sun News Network in this country... This is just one of the many issues that it is, because otherwise we would not not hear about any of this. So I thought, instead of uh, introducing the subject myself, we'll go to our first break and we'll hear David Menzies speak on this whole issue, because he gives a great summary of it. And boy, there's so much. He's only touching the tip of the iceberg. But we'll continue after this. When it comes to the ongoing crucifixion of Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, how low can his political enemies go? We thought the benchmark had already hit rock bottom when the food service fraudster George Felitas unsuccessfully sued Ford for libel back in December for merely speaking the truth. Then there was jailhouse lawyer Clayton Ruby trying to oust Ford from office due to the mayor using, well, I think it was the wrong stationery for fundraising. 
And then there's that yellow-bellied journalist, the ever-effeminate one, Daniel Dale, who files one hatchet job after another for the Toronto Red Star. All in vain, of course. But the impossible has happened, folks. Failed mayoralty candidate Sarah Thompson makes Falutis, Ruby and Dale look like paragons of truth and virtue. Because given the evidence at hand, it looks like this loon tried to concoct a sex scandal claiming that Mayor Ford had grabbed her ricotta cheese candy ass at a meet-and-greet function last week. Just one hitch, Thompson's story has taken more twists and turns than three seasons worth of The Young and the Restless. For starters, you may not be familiar with the name Sarah Thompson, but regardless of where one sits on the political spectrum, if there's one catch-all descriptor of this lady, it would be flaky... If you want proof positive of our flakiness, folks, consider the Toronto election campaign of 2010. Thompson vowed she was in it to the end. Uh, turns out that was a lie. Not only did Sarah drop out of the race, inexplicably to everyone covering the campaign, Thompson began following around the man who would be mayor, George Smitherman, during the campaign's final weeks. It was like a real-life version of Mary Had a Little Lamb, with Thompson playing the role of Lamb Chop. It was downright creepy, but still a one-sided crush is heart-wrenching, isn't it, folks? Um, Saren, the reason why George Smitherman isn't all that into you is that, well, he's gay. It was just never meant to be, darling. Things went from bad to putrid for Sarah when two Richmond Hill councillors, Carmen Pirelli and Craig Barrows, offered shocking anecdotes. Pirelli claims that Thompson said to a group of people that Ford had grabbed her backside and she was going to set him up to get a picture for the next election. She said to her assistant, I'm going to go upstairs. We're going to set up the mayor. Get a picture of his hand near your ass and then I'm going to use that picture in the next mayor's election because I'm going to be the next mayor. Those are Sarah's words. Thompson didn't talk about this exchange in her initial version of the story, folks, but she suddenly remembered it only after the councillors went public. Oh, and her reason for the setup was this. She was worried Ford would attempt to grab the asses of other women. So you see, Sarah conspired to purposely put her young assistant in a precarious situation. How disappointing it must have been for these two harpies that Ford didn't do any ass-grabbing when the trap was set. Folks, it is stomach-churning what Thompson is doing right now. And although it would be even impossible for the amazing Kreskin to read this warped woman's mind, here's my bet on the timing of this setup. Thompson went public with this last Friday, a.k.a. International Women's Day. My hunch is that she wanted to drum up solidarity from the sisterhood by having various women's groups back her cause. Nice try, Sarah, because even radical feminists can identify someone who is an unhinged attention seeker. Incredibly, in the fallout of Asgate, this delusional woman continues to portray herself as a victim. Says she, quote, 
My political career has been damaged. Sarah, what political career? In any event, it was a nice career while it lasted, Sarah. Well, not really. Oh, and in case you think I'm being harsh on this nut bar, folks, let's keep in mind that Thompson chose to be judged by the court of public opinion. I'm only acquiescing to her demands. But to show the menzoid is a good sport, here's six figures of free advice, Sarah. Start crafting a written apology before Mayor Ford sues you into the Stone Age for libel, slander, and defamation. Gee, at least, if not put her in jail for, for a couple of years, the, the crime she was willing to charge him with would have put him in jail. Criminal yes. charges. Yes, sexual molestation. Yes, and yet she's walking free right now after admitting to doing this. She's admitting to interfering in the political process as well and throwing an election by presenting false information. It, it, um, it's beyond belief that she's even walking the street still, pardon the pun. But, you know, David Menzies says, even radical feminists can identify someone who's an unhinged attention seeker. Uh, no. <laughs> That's where he's made a mistake. That's the only real error. Because, David, here in London, we have a radical feminist by the name of Megan Walker, who this past Monday on CJBK AM radio told us that Sarah Thompson must be listened to and she must be heard, and that not only was Rob Ford undeniably guilty of this unbelievable under-any-circumstances charge, but that Rob Ford was, quote, charged with uttering death threats and assaulting his wife. So who has a lack of credibility here? Why are we not hearing about that? End quote. Well, we are going to hear about that very shortly. And it's just too ironic for words, Robert. Too ironic for words. Talk about getting behind in the news. <laughs> this past Monday was a real news day for Hitting Bottom. You know, it's just amazing. Grown, Bob. <laughs> Grown, I tell you. Um... Yeah, we, London, you know, London has Megan Walker. This is our own champion against patriarchy who climbed on board the anti-Rob Ford bandwagon, trying, convicting, and sentencing Toronto's mayor without any thought of the consequences other than the perceived political mileage and financial support she can drum up for her causes. It's the same thing. Free press, the same thing. See the articles in the free press? Yeah, I really don't need that. They don't even, they don't even mention any of this stuff. None, none of it's there. They, you know, th their follow-up is, gee, um, all these scandals just roll off Rob Ford. Toronto's mayor, ma mayor's approval ratings unaffected by scandal. What scandal? Yeah, the very fact that they mention that there's a scandal taints yeah. people's opinion against Rob Ford. Right, and they and say nothing else. A, this is a Sun paper, by the way. I know. This is written both of these pieces by Don Pete, who's uh, from QMI Agency, whose credibility just went to zero for me. Now... You know, this is deja vu all over again. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'm going to save the whole sidebar story of Sandy White's black issue for a possible future feature because it's all part of the same mentality. First, let's be clear that we're quite legitimately and objectively within the court of public opinion here. There are no criminal charges involved here anywhere yet. We don't know of any. We're free to make our own judgments based upon the evidence and arguments brought to our attention. So in addition to what we just heard from David Menzies... Ezra Levant had his own fuel to add to the fire. And I don't have a clip from that, but we're going to give the, the links to that online. I think we should make them all available because obviously the local media is not doing anything about this other than fueling the fire the wrong way. Here's what I've seen for myself, thanks to the work of Sun News, who organized and presented most of the story and evidence, even from other media sources. 
that for some strange reason I've seen nowhere else in this region. Um, News Talk 1010, Toronto's um, Jerry Agar, who in a one-on-one interview with Sarah Thompson, uh, found that she openly admitted that she attempted to set up Rob Ford for the purposes of political gain. With respect to the so-called he-said-she-said initial butt-pinching charge made by Thompson, she changed her story several times the same day on the same network between the various public interviews she she had on News Talk 1010. It's just amazing. Then Richmond Hill Councillor, and this has nothing to do with Toronto's city council, so there's no, you know, no uh, competition going on there. Carmen Pirelli and another councillor appeared on both Sun TV with David Menzies in a one-on-one interview, which you can go online and watch, and with Jerry Agar on his show testifying to his having been an eye and ear witness to Sarah Thompson's plans to set up the mayor. It's all right there in the open. City TV interviewed an eyewitness to the original photo shoot in question. Okay? He was one of dozens of people present, right there and then. And he both verbally testified, which is the court of public opinion, and physically demonstrated to the city TV reporter exactly what he saw at the moment in question, which was Rob Ford's hand touching her shoulder in exactly the same way and pose as every one of the other 500-plus people who were lining up to pose with him. Quote, I did not see anything inappropriate coming from the mayor, end quote. And I've watched and heard numerous character witnesses to both the mayor and Thompson. And above all, I've noted the motivations and characters involved and the politics of of it all. It's just amazing. To me, this is not a he-said-she-said situation, and it never was. Rob Ford was never under any onus to prove anything one way or another. That entire burden falls upon the accuser, who without evidence and positive action related to the claim, is the only person in a she-says position. It's she-says, she-says, over and over and over again. That's all it is. Well, Megan Walker came in on this, and she says it's completely the opposite way, right? And, and it's just amazing. She, in, the, in that conversation with Andy Utman, she defended the Koran, even though it had, even though she was asked about a specific quote, you know, where it says, how to beat your wife, because that whole scandal came up on Monday. Another scandal that wasn't true, by the way, because that liberal uh, MPP did not endorse that book that they were talking about. No one's retracted that yet either. I, you know, all these little pieces of information that get out, nobody takes it back when they find out it's wrong. I don't, I don't understand that. Isn't there some obligation on the part of the media to do that? There's a moral obligation of anything. At, at the very least. I guess morality isn't part of reporting anymore. I don't get it. But, what can, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that part, part, part of the issue. But here's what Megan Walker says about what her basic issue is. She says, what we want to do is basically try to fundamentally end patriarchy and oppression around the world. That's what this is all about to her? That's why you set up people and you do things like this? Patriarchy. Okay, we yeah. have a woman prime minister, uh, Kim Campbell. We've had a, we have a woman uh, premier. Where's this patriarchy? Right. I'm sorry. So Rob Ford gets to be mayor. He's a conservative. Attack the guy on those two counts alone. That's it. Now, here's what she says on... Probably Ro- Christian, too. Yeah, well, she says, I come from a perspective where women and victims are consistently re-victimized and consistently told that they're liars, where men who are allegedly abusers are given a free ride. And the story in the paper today that talks about Sarah Thompson doesn't represent me as a victim. Represent you as a victim? Who talks like that? And, and she talks about all this other nonsense. And she says, 
Oh, then another caller named Diane says, I think we're going to find that this Sarah Thompson had another agenda going on here. Megan responds, that's what I mean. We don't have any evidence it didn't happen either, but we're automatically going to a place where there's no evidence that it did. <sighs> right? And that's what she's saying. And then she says, how do you know she's lying? Why are we always putting the pressure on women? Well, if the woman's making the accusation, it's not that she's a woman that the pressure's put on her. It's because she's the accuser. Exactly. It always works that way. Hello, 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 hello. Jeez. Why do we have to put up with this crap? She, she's got me really peed off, I'll tell you. And, and, and you know, if, if I did that, she should do this. What about him, Rob Ford? This is a man who is charged with uttering death threats and assaulting his wife. Who has the lack of credibility here? Why are we not hearing about that? Well, I went online, and I looked it up. And sure enough, there is a Toronto Red Star report on Rob Ford, 2008, May 21st. Um, and it says, Rob Ford's assault charge withdrawn. Less than 10 minutes after his case was heard, Ford, 38, left the courtroom after the charges were withdrawn by the Crown because of inconsistencies and allegations made by the complainant, Ford's wife, <laughs> right? Assistant Crown Attorney Leanne Townsend told the court she was withdrawing the charges after a thorough review. She determined there was no reasonable prospect of conviction since there were, quote, some serious issues and inconsistencies with Renata Ford's allegations that raised credibility issues. Oh, yeah, you think so? And here's Megan Walker supporting this. And five years later, she drags this later, up. Dragging this up after Unsubstantiated it's allegation against Rob Ford, and she uses it against him again and again. Totally unsubstantiated. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here just amazed at it and I went through looking at all the papers yesterday is there any retraction because this was all out already on Monday I knew all this stuff by Monday night nothing on Tuesday nothing on Wednesday not in this area what, 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 what do you think that is Robert I can't I, I just can't even believe well, it the news media and I think I might get into this in the last half of the show the news media today are not doing their job they're pale shadow of what a news media was and should be well you know, it's interesting. What Megan Walker is practicing is agnosticism, philosophical agnosticism. And as Peikoff, Leonard Peikoff observed, he says, this term applies not only to the questions of God, but to every issue, such as ESP, reincarnation, demonic possession, astrology, the Arab claim of international Zionist conspiracies, and the Marxist claim that the state will wither away, right? Basically, agnosticism is more than the pleading of ignorance. It is the enshrinement of ignorance, as he says. It is rife with fallacies and prejudice, and it totally appeals to arbitrary claims as being considered the equal of real claims. And that's exactly what Megan Walker does all the time, each and every time. She takes the arbitrary, something that doesn't have any proof for it, and says it should be treated as equally as something with proof. She wants everybody to prove negative. And that's all I've got to say, because she's one of the biggest negatives in this town going, and that's, I'm going to keep my mouth shut now before I say too much. <laughs> Ed's given me the finger, and it's not that finger you're thinking about, but we'll be leaving when we come back after this. Okay, we'll go on to the next question. You, sir. Uh, my name's Stephen. Uh, I'm a junior, and my question's for Will McAvoy. Do you consider yourself a Democrat, a Republican, or an Independent? I consider myself a New York Jets fan, Stephen. <laughs> Since it's been brought up, you've almost religiously avoided stating or even implying a political allegiance. Is that because, as a news anchor, you feel the integrity of your broadcast would be compromised? That sounds like a good answer. I'll take it. 
There was a short piece on Vanity Fair's website uh, by Marshall Westbrook, you probably saw it, where he calls you the Jay Leno of news anchors. You're popular because you don't bother anyone. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Jealous of the size of Jay's audience. Are you willing to say here tonight whether you lean right or left? I voted for candidates run by both major parties. On to the next question. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Jenny. I'm a sophomore, and this is for all three of you. Can you say in one sentence or less what? <laughs> um, you know what I mean. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, the New York Jets. No, I'm going to hold you to an answer on that. What makes America the greatest country in the world? Well, Lewis and Sharon said it. Diversity and opportunity and freedom and freedom. I'm not letting you go back to the airport without answering the question. Well, our Constitution is a masterpiece. James Madison was a genius. The Declaration of Independence is, for me, the single greatest piece of American writing. You don't look satisfied. One's a set of laws and the other's a declaration of war. I want a human moment from you. What about the people? Why is America not the greatest, the greatest country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. You're saying yes. You're... Let's talk about fine. The... Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of her paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so smart, how come they lose so damn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is there is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the f you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. 
We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors, we put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <laughs> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? And with that, we were introduced to the newsroom. Wow, what an opening. It, it was a fantastic opening. That was the very first opening scene of the Newsroom Season 1, Episode 1, starring Jeff Daniels, and the sentiment that he portrayed in that speech, I'd have to say I agree with uh, almost all of it. A few things I would disagree with. Specifically, I don't think that this generation is the worst period, generation, period, ever, period. I think it's a, a, a great generation, but I think that they are bombarded with lies, bombarded with factoids. I think of, that's what he was referring to, though. They're the victim. Like, he's, like he said, he says, I'm not blaming this one yeah. student kind of thing. I think that was his point. But they're certainly not the worst generation ever, nor was the generation that Walter Cronkite talked about, the greatest generation ever. Generations are what they are. They deal with what they're thrown at. But what he brings up in that particular rant was the question of the greatness of America. The question you have to ask yourself is, what makes a great nation? What qualities would such a nation on earth have? And I think it would be one, one that protected people's rights so that they could build great big things, make ungodly technological advances, explore the universe and reach for the stars and stand up for what's right and act like men and aspire to intelligence and get on with our lives without having to fear who might get into political office and take it away overnight and everything we worked for, so hard to achieve, is just gone. You know, you know what takes all that away? All, just one thing could do it. What's that? Socialized health care. That, that that's all it would take yeah. to kill a, yeah. a nation. That right kills there. a nation. Well, it's killing ours, and it's going to kill the, Amer uh, the American nation as well. And I was thinking about um, how long man has been on this world. Homo sapiens sapiens is our name. And uh, you and I have been around for 200,000 years, unchanged anatomically for 200,000 years. And it's only been within the past two or 3,000 years or so that we've come to live together, to divide our labor, to trade our skills and our goods, to live as individuals rather than tribes, picking berries in the jungle and hunting game with pointed sticks. It's only been a few thousand years. And it's only been within the last few hundred years that we've had the leisure to think about those things which truly make us human and divide us from the other apes and animals. You know, from Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, there was a lull in the advancement of political thought until the Renaissance 600 years ago. 
only 600 years ago. And then the Age of Enlightenment, only 400 years ago. And these ages leading to the establishment of governments which began to protect the individual rather than the collective, which began to identify philosophically the nature of man's individual rights, which had to be protected by governments, not infringed by governments. And such great thinkers of the Age of Enlightenment led to advances in freedom, which led to the exploration of the world and the discovery of the new world, and with this discovery, a concomitant discovery of what it meant to be free as an individual. And of, out of all of these discoveries, only 237 years ago, we as a species in one particular spot on the globe created the first nation which recognized explicitly the proper purpose of government, viz. to protect one's individual rights. And after 200,000 years, we're finally on the way to establishing a world where governments are established to serve the people by acting in a specific role of protection rather than one of dominance. So it's been a long, long road to get to where we are today. And if we throw it out, because of ignorance, then we are absolute fools. You know, we had a brief, brief glimpse of a proper nation, and I refer explicitly to the United States in its beginning stages of the uh, 18th and 19th, early 19th century. And that nation at that time infected the rest of the world such that in many respects the rest of the world has adopted and even surpassed the once great United States in its protection of individual rights. Jeff Daniel said it in his rant. Canada, Japan, Australia, Belgium, France, Spain, you know, all the Western societies. And I include Japan because it was Westernized by the United States. The USA is no longer the greatest nation on Earth. In fact, it'd be hard to identify any single Western nation as being greater than any other. You, if, you might be able to say they have the greatest military power, or you might be able yes, to say specifics. something like that, but that... Is that the net sum of their value? Yeah. Canada was once in that category, too. I don't know that having the greatest defense spending is a plus or a minus. We don't know that for sure. It depends on times, doesn't it? Sure. China has a great expenditure on well, the Well, and Canada, <laughs> Canada was what? W weren't we number three or four in the world? We had the after? fourth largest army in the world during the Second World yeah, War. Yeah, so, you know, there you go. Yeah. That was a good thing at that time. At that time, right. it was a good thing. But today it may not be. You know, if by graceness we mean a nation of individuals allowed to act freely, to aspire to intelligence, to do great things, to create great art, and to advance the human condition, you know, many parts of the world are free to do, to some degree or another, thanks in great part to the intellects of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, to be free. But freedom apparently is fleeting. Around every dark corner there lurk people, we talked about some of them today, evil people who would destroy freedom, who would connive, lie, cheat, and deceive others to take away their freedom so that today the United States, Canada as well, is in rapid decline. I don't necessarily mean militarily or economically, but I mean philosophically. And unlike 150 years ago, there's only a minority of Americans and Canadians or British or French who know what it means to be free or who know what an individual right is or who can define liberty or who can even read beyond the grade 8 level, for that matter. About 150 years ago of great progress in science and education and knowledge and philosophy, we've forgotten what it was that allowed for such great progress. 
that is a proper government which lets its people go on their own individual way without interference, intervening only when someone violates another's rights. You know, I've always said freedom is an expression of reality. That's when you know you're in a free society, when you can express your reality and you can make your decisions based on what you know is real, not on what somebody else is telling you is unreal, okay? And it's interesting that in that monologue that we heard from the newsroom, he talks about that there are more adults in the States now who, who believe angels are real. You yes. know, that, that this complete unreality, and it's true, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem in terms of how a lot of voting goes down, too. Yes, indeed. And... Um, but that whole idea, you're right, it's a philosophical thing. And one thing I like how he said, he says, you know, we, we behave morally. He said, we passed laws and we struck down laws. It's not a constant passing of laws, which is what most politicians today think, right? It's just add one law to the other, bang, bang, bang. Nobody thinks of getting in the government and thinking maybe progress would be getting rid of a few laws. Yeah, but they don't right? want to make their mark, you see. They right. don't want laws named after them. And that um, gives them a legacy. Unfortunately, their legacy costs our freedom. We're going to continue this discussion on the other side. We'll be right back. Now, why do they find you so offensive in Canada? Um, I suspect, like American liberals, they haven't actually read anything I've written. (laughs) And in fact, I mean, this is part of the reason I speak uh, at a lot of college campuses. I'm often the only conservative college kids are going to hear in four years of college. And I can't tell you how many kids I've met a year or two out of college, sometimes still in college. Um, one, one came to a radio station I was in last year, KABC in LA, he was my biggest fan. He wanted me to sign books. He happened to know the host. And so, you know, we're chit-chatting and I'm signing books. And he mentioned that the first time he ever heard of me when he was was when he was standing outside one of my speeches at his college with a bullhorn denouncing me. (laughs) And then he thought, after protesting me, huh, maybe I should read one of her books. And he said he read the first one and thought, this makes a lot of sense. And he started reading more of them, and now he has them all, and he's my biggest fan. Whatcott says he's against gay sex. Not people who have had gay sex, he himself has. He's against the conduct. He's reformed himself, he says. And he quotes a best-selling book for his case called, you know, the Bible. But Judge Rothstein says being against gay sex is really just being against gays, so that's hateful, so now that's illegal. Three Jews just wrote a judgment saying that hating gay sex is tantamount to hating gays, and so the Bible, it must follow is hate speech. These brave Jews might want to reread their own Torah, of course, uh, or the Koran if that's their preference, but that's the thing. In the 36-year history of the Canadian Human Rights Commission, not a single Jew or Muslim or Sikh or Tamil or any other minority group has ever been prosecuted for hate speech, just Christians. Every single day across this country, in extremist mosques, even on street corners, like this Sharia law display in downtown Toronto and Dundas Square. They spew more anti-gay product propaganda than Whatcott has in his whole life. And of course, the Sharia punishment for being gay is death. I wonder if this liberal Supreme Court would have been so bold as to criminalize a Muslim defendant and his Koran. Oh, no worries. Muslims have never been prosecuted. So have at the Christians, boys. Ezra Levant, always good. And before that was Ann Coulter speaking to Christine Williams. 
interestingly because, uh, you know, it kind of spoke to that comment where he says, the speaker in the first speech says, we were informed, you know. Yes. We actually, and here she is saying, you know, she's gone to all these campuses where they've never even heard from a conservative. Or read a book yeah. from a conservative. Amazing. Yes. That's I think, hits at the heart of the matter. Because in this witnessing that we're having here now of the suicide of the West, as we wallow in some undefined guilt that we have, where we should be aspiring to create great works of literature and you know what we do? We create tribunals to censor us. Where we should be struggling to be free from the tribe and the collective, we create a society of privileged class and protected groups based on gender, race, and disability. We live in a racist country. It's like we've gone back to the Stone Age. Uh, the oh, yeah. people that are running this country have never picked up a book. Period. I don't. I don't care. It's just it, it seems that scary. Way. It seems that way. You know, at no time has this been more evident than it, in the past few weeks when we saw our Supreme Court declare that we are, in fact, a nation where there are classes of people who are due special privilege by virtue of belonging to prescribed groups. These are the words, by the way, of the Supreme Court. The recent Watcott decision is what I'm referring to, and it's prescribed in law the fact that in Canada there are those who, by virtue of their race, religion, sexual preference, and a host of other attributes, stand as the betters of those who do not possess those, those traits. The Watcott decision is the only latest Supreme Court decision which has had the effect of turning back the clock of freedom in this country decades, if not hundreds of years, and it'll only get worse. Where once we were on the path to a classless society of equals, we are now firmly entrenched on the road to official tribalism thanks to the Supreme Court and our Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so-called. Where once we had a government with, uh, which over the past 700 years since the Magna Carta began to recognize the natural rights of the individual, we now have a government which groups individuals into protected classes, defining rights which are an abomination to the concept of rights, so-called homosexual rights, aboriginal rights, women's rights, animal rights, negating all notion of the concept of rights. These are not rights. Rights are the rights for everybody equally, regardless of any other attribute. As long as they're individual human beings, we all have the same rights. Thank you very much. The effect of these rights, so-called, if you do not belong to one of the groups as protected by law, you are without status before the court. A homosexual has more rights than a heterosexual. A woman has more rights than a man. A Muslim more than a Christian. A person of color has more rights than our, before our courts than a white person. These are now the facts of legal history, thanks to the Watcott decision and other decisions brought down by the various human rights tribunals throughout the country. The Gladau uh, decision was another one, giving a special rights to aboriginals. We have ourselves to blame. We've become ignorant of what it means to be an individual. We are no longer informed. We've forgotten or chose to ignore our history. We've become complacent in our lifestyles and are no longer motivated to fight for what's right. We're no, we no longer know what's right because we are absolutely ignorant as a society of what is right. Everybody's, it's, it's that agnostic thing again. If somebody comes yeah. out and says, well, I said this happened, oh, well, gee, I don't know what the truth could possibly be. To me, there, like even in that case with Rob Ford, there was no doubt in my mind for even a split second that the whole thing was fabricated from day one. I, I didn't have to you know why, go Bob? through all that. Because of an education. 
And I think you're an educated man. I'm an educated man. There's a number of educated people out there who, as Lord Christopher Monkton on this show said, a good education allows you to know rot when you hear yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. When you hear 20 witnesses on one side saying one thing and then one wingnut in the other, and all of a sudden the media goes with the wingnut. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I'm well, shaking my head so often. I, I'm it's amazing mad. I don't have whiplash. I, I'm less mad at the wingnut than I am at the media and the people who report it. Yes. They're the ones that should know better, so quote-unquote. Jeez. Yes, they've taken, the, uh, they've taken the gauntlet and they've thrown it They're all it on the same team, apparently. So how do we get like this? Well, for one thing, by being intellectually lazy and by not bothering to discover how we got to where we are and how to identify those who would take it away from us. That's our job, Bob. That's what you and I are doing on this yep. show, is we're identifying the people and the ideas that yep. are right and wrong. We pass moral judgment. And we're trying to inform our listeners, as that fellow in the speech said, because yes. that's what creates an intelligent community is when people have all the facts before them. They don't have to agree, agree with us. That's not the issue. Oh, yeah. And and you know something? We're wrong sometimes. What? We'll admit it. We're, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you are. <laughs> but we admit it. You know, we go out and find more information and, and we'll report back on it. Um, but there, there's another side to why we're, we're, we're going down this path. <clears throat> and it's because we let other people do our thinking for us. We set up a panels of experts, people who tell us that they know better than we do. We have committees to tell us to report back on us and, and what we should do. We well, can't think there, for ourselves anymore. Yeah, there are reasons for committees, but not the kind of reasons they're digging up today. You know, it's one thing to, 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 to set up a committee to find certain facts about something. It's another reason to set up a committee to, you know, foist a philosophy on everybody that doesn't work, right? Yes, yeah. You know, you were talking about some particular people this, uh, this uh, first half hour of the show, and and I was describing evil people in the world. And, and who are these evil people? You know, they're the people teaching our children. They're running our governments. They're sitting behind the benches in our courthouses. They're working as bureaucrats in the government office towers of Toronto and Ottawa and Washington, ruining people's lives with the click of a computer mouse. They're so-called intellectuals who publish books on why the West is evil and why we should give everything away to others. And, and if we don't do it voluntarily, then we should have a government redistribute our wealth for us yeah. to save if us. If we were so evil, we wouldn't have any wealth or anything to give away. They yeah. don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. All, everything we got just came to us from oh, some sort of mystical source, right? The evil people are the reporters <laughs> and journalists who fail to tell us all the news that we need to know and use their position of influence to make society conform to their twisted sense of justice. But at the root of it all, Bob, there's just us, you and I. As individuals, we have the choice and the power to reject what we hear from the so-called experts. We have the choice to become informed so that when a real expert comes along, we know when he's telling the truth. We have the power to remove our children from the state education system, which I will reiterate again, I think, is the first step into recovering this country. Take your kids out of the state school system. We have the power to try to defeat the tax men whenever we can. We have the power to become informed for ourselves. We no longer rely on a single news media outlet or the universities or the schools or the politicians to tell us the truth. We can find out for ourselves by checking several sources. We also have the power to sit down in a moment of silence and reflect on the things deeply, starting from first principles, working through the problem logically and reasonably, making sure that our conclusions conform to reality. We can progress as a society, as a nation, and as a world if we only start to work out for ourselves methodically 
and with reason what it is we want, where we want to go, and how we should achieve our goals without hurting our fellow man, and that is the key. Yeah, that's, that's what's so hard about that? Gee, but, but the left, it, it starts on the hurt basis. you got to start by hurting somebody else. Yes. Somebody's, somebody's rich, somebody's successful, oh, they must have hurt somebody to get that. No. They got that way because they were productive. Or the other way, they look at someone and see someone poor, and they say, well, what am I going to do to help this person? I'm going to go hurt that person over there. To take, yeah, right, take his right. money and give it to him. You know, Jeff Daniels talked about a, a, a United States where they built great things, they did great things, they didn't beat their chests. I sort of remember that United States when I was growing up. It oh, wasn't yeah. that long ago. It was Canada, too. Canada it was, was Canada, like too, yeah. You talk to some vets, uh, uh, Dick Field, a friend of ours, he laments greatly, and he's about in his 80s now, the way Canada has gone from once a great nation of people who did great things and who weren't boastful about it, and that's probably our fault, too is that we didn't give ourselves credit for what we did and, and, and identify how we got there. You know, it's a tangled web. Well, people who are busy doing don't spend a lot of time dra- bragging. It's true, you right? know. And I, that's always the case. Yeah, people like that, creators, inventors, businessmen, they, they don't want to go out there and tell people, you know, hey, look at me, look what I've yeah, done. Yeah, the guy who's bragging know? has already stopped doing because yeah. he's got time to brag. It's people like, uh, <laughs> well, the people like we had on the show earlier today. Uh-oh getting on the radio saying, oh, look what I've done for the world. Aren't I a great politician? Give me your money. Sorry. No. No way. You done? I, I'm fed up. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> yes, we're both fed up for this week. I guess we're leaving for another week. Join us again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you. And be free. Color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Now, Fräulein Hibbler, will you please tell the impartial court how long you worked for the traitor? I was secretary to Colonel Hauptmann for two months, one week, on three days. During this time, were you in any way... I have a question for the witness. <laughs> if Colonel Klink is trying to discredit Fräulein Hibbler, he's wasting his time. I made recordings of his telephone conversations, which I believe are proof of the charges brought against Colonel Hauptmann. Very good, Sally. The fellow's voice sounds a little high for Hauptmann, but it'll do. The other recordings will hang him anyway. Those recordings have been tampered with. That is a fake. You're a fake, Sally Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Arrest this woman. Court is adjourned. Either show your hostage.